This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put, oh, he's going hard. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I am your host Ishmael Johnson. Wednesday preview edition here, full studio, here with Mike Craven. What's up, man? What's going on, guys? Going good. And producer Mal Pal over there, twisting and turning the knobs. What's up? <laughs> Doing well. Yes, I. That is my official title here: testing and turning the knobs. I just completely messed. Up. <laughs> twisting and turning the knobs. Twisting <laughs> and turning the knobs. That is actually my job here. That's all I do. Making sure you guys sound great. <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm just going to go off and start off right off the top. Uh, I say every week that I don't care about the playoff unless it gives me a reason to poke at Mallory. Mallory, uh, Michigan 6, Michigan State 7. Thoughts? <laughs> I sent you this screenshot. Yeah. <laughs> there was a tweet that went out that said, man, if only there was a way to settle this game on the field. Yeah. Wait a second. It already <laughs> happened last week. Yeah. And who won, Ish? <laughs> who won? I, I believe Michigan State won. It's funny because when you when you hear all these Michigan fans talking about the game, oh, it was the refs. Okay, why'd you let Kenneth Walker run through, completely shred your defense yep. five different times? Yep. The, the funniest thing is you could literally – so, like, yes, uh, long story short, yes, they put Michigan over Michigan State despite Michigan State having a direct head-to-head win. The funniest thing is you could look just in the top four – for a game where they actually took head to head into consideration, because Oregon is third and right. Ohio State's three or four, <laughs> and like so they literally. And I think Nicole Auerbach tweeted this out where she asked about like, do you guys just take head to head in certain situations uh, <laughs> yeah. and 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 not in others? And they basically just said yes. <laughs> so like, and it's just like I again, this is why I don't. It doesn't matter to me because like that. Just reading that statement is hilarious to me. Like if I wasn't invested in these teams being ranked and all that, like as a neutral party, that's just a hilarious statement to read. Like yeah, we just take head to head for like Oregon and not <laughs> Michigan State. Like, like that's just that is objectively funny to me. The one so. argument they had for that was Michigan looked like a more complete team. But how can you say that sure. when you have the head to head right I in love, front of I you? I it's mean, like, what? I think they said like si- yeah, since that game they've looked like the. I think they used. Like, like this week's, uh, of course, because Michigan State lost to Purdue, and then Michigan, Michigan played some like, kind of no-name team in the Big Ten, like, and I'm like, how can I, you I, say I that? I love the logic. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's like uh, this is peak comedy. Like it is. there's that gif of uh, I don't know what movie it's from, but it's Willem Dafoe like directing, like he's like conducting something, and like explosions are happening behind him. <laughs> it's like that's me, and this when I look at the college playoff because I just love it. It's beautiful. Michigan played Indiana. That's who they played. Every and- every Tuesday, everybody's like, oh, we're just we know what the college playoff is going to be. We're not going to get mad, and then. Everybody just gets mad anyway. <laughs> and it doesn't matter because the last six national champions have been either one or two with five weeks left remaining in the yep. season. Like, that was a crazy – I think Brett McMurphy put that out there. Right. That yeah. is a crazy stat. Like, yeah. with five weeks left in the season, in a sport we all champion the parody mm-hmm. and uh-huh. talk about how anything can happen in college football and, like, anywhere else – Five weeks left in the season, we know who the best two teams in the nation are, and they win the playoff and go on to do everything. I thought that was pretty. I thought yeah. that was pretty amazing. Yeah, no, seriously. Bring um, back the BCS. One it bring one hundred percent. Bring back the BCS. Um, if you want somebody to get involved with the computers, sure, whatever. But the computer has proved us right. I don't know. It's proved it right longer than it hasn't. Well, each way has its fallacy, right? Yeah, like, sure. Like how we just talked about. You know, like, uh, yeah, it's I think, not like it's I think a better tw- system. I think 2007 was kind of the, the weird year for the BCS. But even then, that was so much fun. Like we had we had second ranked South Florida like like Matt Ryan leading a number two ranked Boston College like that was so much fun like I I would much rather have that like come on now I don't know um, yeah we can rant about that but we should also mention UTSA did finally get the benefit from the 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 playoff committee meet 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 they got uh, they're ranked twenty third so for the first time in UTSA's history ranked in all three AP coaches and playoff. Of course, I don't know why they do a top 25 for the playoff, because that literally does not matter. But <laughs> regardless, 
little 23rd ranking as a treat for UTSA. We'll take it. <laughs> there you we'll go. We'll take it. Exactly. I also like that Baylor dropped one spot after losing to TCU. Right. You know, yeah. like, uh, it was like trap game. Yeah. They knew it. They knew it. <laughs> exactly. You know, it was like, like the coachless TCU, un, you know, three <laughs> and five team, and you only drop one. Everybody was so impressed with Chandler Morris that yeah. uh, they were like, well, I mean, everybody, Oklahoma would have lost to that team. You know, like, <laughs> right. who wouldn't have lost to that team? Michigan would have lost to that team. You know? Yep. So, uh, anyway, yeah, the new rankings for the Texas teams, at least, A&M 11, Baylor 13, TCU – or, sorry, UTSA uh, 23. That's all we got to pay attention to because, thank God, like I said, everybody got their losses out of the way, uh, except UTSA, who's just not getting any respect because group of five bias. Uh, anyway, let's move on to the games because we do have some interesting games this week. Uh, there will be some hinting on uh, some other – off the field stuff kind of going on more with Texas recently, um, but we will get to that when we talk about those games. Mallory, let's get to them. Starting off probably with the strongest game of this week's slate, mm-hmm. Baylor hosting Oklahoma this weekend. It's Saturday, November 13th at 11 a.m. You can watch this game on Fox and the spread. I guess the line's at five and a half. Oklahoma is favored. Yeah, Mike, I, I want you to go first because I think Baylor – before last week, Baylor – I would have said Baylor's the perfect team to go against Oklahoma. Does last week change that, or do you still think? The thing that concerns me about Baylor over these last couple weeks, even that win against Texas, was Gary Bohannon starting to throw the ball to the other team Mm. more than he did early in the year, right? Like going into that BYU game, he had one interception. In the last two games, he's got two each, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, he's starting to turn the ball over a little bit more, and that's concerning because Baylor's formula was to play near-perfect football in terms of self-inflicted wounds they didn't have very many unforced errors that's why they were playing so well Um, they're not talented enough to turn the ball over to not play sound defense like against TCU they were missing tackles that they normally didn't miss and stuff like that Jalen Petrie has Chandler Morris wrapped up in the backfield right that's that's a sack yeah in most games right and if Jalen Petrie's missing tackles something's going on there so the version of Baylor we saw last week will not beat Oklahoma Mm -hmm. but I would say the sample size of the previous eight games is more likely to be true than just that one game I think the line is representative of that as well I was pretty surprised this was in a touchdown after losing to TCU and then the ranking came out and it was like people are still respecting Baylor at least enough you know so um I wouldn't pick them to beat Oklahoma, and I was leaning towards getting there. Yeah. I was I was talking myself into that, so I don't think I would pick them against Oklahoma after seeing the TCU game, just because what Chandler Morris did to to that Baylor defense is something that Caleb Williams can do to that Baylor defense. Yeah, I think that was where I was as well. I think when you looked at, especially with the uh, the Oklahoma game against Kansas, where it was like they they were still a little prone to some stop and start drives, and Caleb Williams, as much of an upgrade he has been at quarterback, you know he's still he was still kind of feeling himself feeling himself out there, and then they just got right against Tech, and then Baylor had the stumble last week, and now Oklahoma had the week off, and so like they were kind of looking like okay we can we can see where Baylor is a little bit more vulnerable, um, and I was wonder I'm wondering if teams until last week were afraid to test Baylor deep. Right, because like Chandler Morris, he took some shots in the pocket, uh, getting hit, but he was still like, "Oh, QJ's open." Like I'm just gonna let that thing rip. And so, credit to Baylor's defense; they've have they have been very good. But I'm wondering if there were teams, there were they were facing teams that were maybe a little bit afraid to test that secondary a little bit, and they were getting hit a lot in the pocket too. They they were facing teams that weren't creating the time to test that secondary, and yeah. some of that was the offensive line playing okay, but a lot of that was Chan, Chandler Morris creating an extra second or two mm. to then get those vertical routes deep. Sure. Previously, they were getting home and sacking quarterbacks, but you kind of saw it in the BYU game. You, know, you kind of saw it a little bit with Xavier Worthy in the Texas game. Mm-hmm. That secondary is there to get got. Mm-hmm. You just have to be able to get the ball off. TCU, um, through the wizardry of Chandler Morris, was able to do that. I think Oklahoma's offensive line is a little bit ba- better. Caleb Williams can also kind of create with his feet and buy mm-hmm. some extra time. So that's the matchup to me. Can you get to Caleb Williams before those wide receivers can get on top of your secondary? Yeah, I think one of the, <clears throat> the two stats I want to reference here uh, one from PFF, um, you know, take or, take or, give or take their grades, but I do think overall they do a solid job of just kind of telling you who's good or who's to pay attention to. Uh, Caleb Williams is their highest-graded quarterback when it comes to third-quarter play. He's at a 96.3. Um, and then the other one is 
versus Power 5 teams this year, Caleb Williams has a 95.6 QBR and averages uh, almost 10 yards of drop back. Like, he plays – the other guys in that conversation are C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Matt Corral, who are at 90, 87, and 82 in those in the, with his QBR compared Kid's to Kid's a star. Five. He's a I star. Mean, he's a star. And I was there at that Red River game where he kind of broke out there in the second half, and he mm-hmm. – not only does he have the talent, right. he has, like, an unconscious unconscious confidence about right. him, right? right. Like he, he knows he has the arm talent to make any throws. That will get him in trouble a few times, and mm-hmm. that's what Baylor has to hope happens this week, that he has a little too much confidence and, and makes some throws that are ill-advised. The other thing that's concerning for me, for Baylor, I know Abram Smith ended up having a decent-looking day stat-wise. They did not run the football <laughs> in the same way against TCU that yeah. they had been previously to beat Oklahoma – that team's going to have to average four, five, six yards a carry because you just can't ask Gary Bohannon to win this football game for you. Yeah, it's going to be a, a kind of one of those old school keep them off the field type of games, right? Where it's like you chew up clock that you force them to hit you in those with those eight to nine drive plays, uh, play drives instead of like the long sustained ones. So, yeah. What's next, Mallory? SMU hosting UF, UCF, excuse me, this Saturday at 11 a.m. You can watch this game on ESPNU. The line's at seven. SMU is favored. Yeah. Um, I'm a little surprised by that. I'm a little surprised by that. I, I don't. I felt like last week was – I don't know if they're just expecting a rebound. but And UCF hasn't been the, exactly the UCF that we're seeing either. But I thought last week rose a lot of questions. In the past couple of weeks, I've, we've seen kind of the shakiness of SMU. And should say – it's not exactly been uncommon for this kind of late season shakiness under Sonny Dykes. Yeah, I think Joe Hoy put out a really good stat the other day that mm-hmm. they're like they've like been four and eight coming in the last the last three seasons under yeah, Sonny Dykes. So this is something that that has plagued this team in the past. And, and to me, it's as simple as that running game just has not looked the same without Ulysses Bentley. Like there was balance early on in the year. Yeah, Tanner mm-hmm. Mordecai was putting up crazy numbers, and that's what was being talked about the most. But you go back and you look at those early games, specifically that win against TCU, and that's a team that could really run the football at you with three right. different guys. And it was becoming, it was giving that offensive line. The reason we're seeing them give up more sacks is because teams aren't having to pay attention to the run as much. The reason we're seeing less huge numbers from Tanner Mordecai is because they're not in third and three anymore. Now they're in third and eight and third and nine, and that's a lot harder situation to be in. It's all tied to that running game for me. Also, the same problem that we were just talking about with Baylor, that secondary is vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And so you combine Mm -hmm. the lack of running game on offense and a secondary that's been struggling the last couple weeks and – this one's a scary one for SMU. They need this football game. They have to win this football game, um, and we'll see if they're able to do it. They're going to have to get that running game going, in my opinion, to have a chance. Yeah, I think so too. I think the benefit to them is that UCF hasn't been – again, under, under Gus Malzahn, UCF has played more Gus Malzani like football. Like this isn't the team that's throwing all over the place. So they, they may it may play more into their hands. They are more of a running team. Um, running this offense, and so that might play in SMU's hands a little bit more. The other weird thing that came out, uh, Joe Hoyt also put this out, Preston Stone might play? Like, it says, um, I'm trying to find it, uh, we want to get him in the game and see what he can do, Sonny Dyke said. Why? Transfer, <laughs> transfer portal. Uh, yeah, I guess, man, that's rough. But that's just, I guess that's, that's the game. That's what it is now, yeah, right? Like, if you're not playing for conference championships e- anymore and they've lost two in a row in conference and still have Cincinnati on that conference, <laughs> yeah. there's starting to be whispers, I would imagine, of transfer portal and things going on behind the scenes and what yeah. do you have next. And not only is it transfer portal, it's also seeing what you have for, for next year and, and the year beyond and that kind of stuff. Is that really a battle there? You know, Tanner Mordecai still has eligibility left. We're not talking about a guy who was just a grad transfer senior who's sure, just here sure. for one year and go on. If you're pressing stone, you want to see if you have a chance to compete for that job. And if you never get on the football field, how would you believe that? So, yeah, I, I honestly, I think when I read that, I immediately thought transfer portal, you're just trying to keep guys inside the program. Mm, that's fair. That's fair. Up next, we have another American matchup this Saturday at 11 a.m. You can oh I didn't even say it. Houston at Temple. Mm. You can watch this game on ESPN Plus. Houston is favored by 24 and a half. We don't talk enough about Houston. Yeah, we we really don't. 
Like they they lost to Tech week one, and we've kind of been on this wait and see approach with them. And each week we're kind of like, yeah, I mean that was an impressive win, but you know we'll see next week. That was another impressive win, but we'll see. They're just a good football team. They're yeah. eight and mm-hmm. one. Uh, they're on their way to to playing in a conference title game. That Cincinnati game will be really revealing if they do get there. But Clayton Tunes looked fantastic, yeah. just absolutely fantastic the last couple of weeks. I'd imagine that's because he's getting healthier and healthier. He had that hamstring injury earlier in the year. That defensive line gets after quarterbacks. That secondary is growing. Marcus Jones is the best special teams player in the state. Mm-hmm. The Cougars deserve a lot more respect and credit than they get. It's because we've been talking so much about UTSA and them being undefeated. Sure. Obviously, A&M gets a lot of their headlines. Baylor was playing really well. Under the radar, Houston has been one of the better teams the last couple of weeks if we're just talking about on-field performances. Oh, 100%. I think that what the the swagger they showed last week to be able to get into that you know when the def- we I think I mentioned it before where it was like their defense was so great and part of it was that strength of schedule where it was like okay well what happens when that defense has a bad game and last week they had a bad game and of course it wasn't all the defense they had some other uh, touchdowns in other ways but um you mentioned the I believe it was the kickoff return right last week yep. for US, USF but yep. two in a row they've two yeah. two games in a row they've given up a 100 yard kickoff return for Exactly touchdowns. so it wasn't all on the defense but the defense wasn't as rock solid as it had as it had been but it didn't matter because Clayton Toon is hitting his stride right he looks to be held that hamstring looks to be at least more or less healthy I don't want to say he's fully healthy but more or less to where they can put the game on his shoulders they found that balance in the running game now I think that this this might be a game where that balance comes to show a little bit because Temple's pass defense is actually okay. They're not very good, but they're about, I believe, 33rd. Let me see, 33rd in the country in points um, allowed per attempt, which is about, I think, uh, about 6.8 yards per attempt, which is pretty low. Now, in the run defense, they are one of the worst teams in the country. Mm-hmm. So I think this is going to be a game where they rely on that deep running game that's now come into f- effect with uh, Alden McCaskill. And I wouldn't be shocked if that's the way they win this game, if they let Clayton Toon just kind of manage and not make mistakes and just shut this game down because on defense because this offense isn't good for Temple either. One more note on Toon. You know, the thing going into this year I think we could all agree on is you kind of got a little Jekyll and Hyde from him. Oh, yeah. You didn't know he could turn the ball over. And then right. that week one loss, he throws four interceptions, and it's like, okay, there this, is. Is, this is what's going on. Since that game, he's thrown two. Mm. You know, so he's just been really – not only good and explosive and finding Nathaniel Dell and create, but he's also been really good at taking care of the football and trusting his defense. Sometimes you just punt. That's just that's just what it is. Sometimes you got to punt. He's grown not only as a passer, but his experience and kind of leadership and just efficiency has grown. And I think his, his just ability to take care of the football has been impressive. And he the, the thing I can say most about him, the biggest compliment I can give him, I guess, is – for a while there, you were wondering, like, huh, this is the guy Dana Holgerson's kind of attaching the, the, the rocket to, right? This is the guy who you redshirt uh, Derek King for, right? The one that you want to see over him. And you're like, okay, we're, when's it going to kind of show? And it's shown, right? This is the year where you're like, this is why Dana Holgerson is one of the best offensive minds in the country. Like, this is his, this is why I worked with Will Greer. This is why I worked with Geno Smith, right? You can go through his quarterbacks and it's like, okay, I get it, right? Yep. Up next, we have Rice hosting Western Kentucky this Saturday at 1 p.m. You can watch this game on ESPN Plus if you choose to. Uh, Western Kentucky favored by 18. I'm taking Western Kentucky to cover and more. Yeah. I think in this. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> the, the, o- the over and under 62, and Rice is only averaging 19 points a game. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only thing Rice has going for them is that it's a home game, and there'll be maybe some fans. Yeah. I, I don't know. That may be a bad <laughs> thing. <laughs> <laughs> Mom's going to be in the stands as Bailey Zappi. I was about to say, Bailey Zappi's homecoming. <laughs> He's victorious, it, not that far It's better to away. lose a fight not in front of your mom than in front of your mom, <laughs> as I can speak to from experience <laughs> growing up. Bailey Zappi's from Victoria. He's right down yeah. the road. Right. Like his family's gonna be in right. town for this one. I don't know. This might be a homecoming for him. Jeez, uh, yeah. This one. Remember, so remember when Western Kentucky lost to UTSA? That was the last loss they had. <laughs> like they <have> not <laughs> lost it since then. They've beaten ODU. They've beaten FIU. They've beaten Charlotte, and they've beaten Middle Tennessee State. And they've only scored forty. They've only they didn't score forty points against FIU, and that was the only one. Like, and, it, and if they get another right. possession against UTSA, they likely win that. I mean, <laughs> Probably, you know, yeah. Like, you know, Time ran out. That was, that was a shootout <laughs> game right there. I know. You know, if you're UTSA, Western Kentucky is the last team you want to see 
uh-huh. in that conference USA championship. Oh my God, it looks right? like they're kind of slowly grinding their way towards that. For yeah. Rice this week, I mean, there's just not much hope, right? I mean, yeah. you, you any game, there can be upsets and all that kind of stuff, but barring injury right. to the quarterback of Western Kentucky, it's hard to imagine Rice can win this game because they just can't score enough points, right? Mm-hmm. If they were can't the offense – that could also score enough points, and it's like maybe they can sneak a 50-47, to 47, just kind of like burner of a game out. Maybe they'd have a chance. Uh, but this Rice team just doesn't score a lot of points, and it's hard to imagine the defense holds Western Kentucky to anything lower than 40. Yeah, I think the other, the only thing that can go in Rice's favor is because I believe Zach Kittley's name did surface as somebody that Joey McGuire is looking at for Tech's offensive coordinator job. I think Football Scoop had that out. Um that's kind of the only thing where it's like maybe he's sidetracked. <laughs> you kind of hope that the play calling's a little bit off. But if you're also auditioning for that job, you're probably trying to hang 70 on every point, yeah. every team that you can. Um, you know, right, the one thing I will say about Rice is that their strength of their defense has been their passing game. But every time they played a good passing team this year, it's fallen apart, right? UTSA. Um, I don't want to hinge on anything in Texas or Houston. That's just not fair. But UTSA, uh, uh, UAB, like these teams that can even remotely pass, they've been just – they've fallen apart against. So, I don't know. This is going to be – again, this is going to be a game where we know their game plan. They're going to try to control that clock. They're going to try to keep that offense off mm-hmm. the field, and we'll see if they're able to do it because they have had semblances of success on that side of the ball. So – if this is a low scoring, uh, lower scoring game than we're used to seeing, just because Western Kentucky has less possessions, maybe, maybe that's something that they can hang their hat on. But I don't expect that to happen. So. <laughs> yeah. Up next, Texas State hosting Georgia Southern this Saturday at 2 p.m. You can watch this game on ESPN Plus. Texas State favored by two. Yeah, this sounds weird. Um, so uh, I'm gonna reference Parker uh, stats of war on Twitter. His numbers. Texas State has a 71. His his win percentages are also are really usually pretty accurate. Uh, last week against Baylor TCU, it was like a 54 or something. Everybody was like, that was a little weird. And then of course TCU ended up winning. Texas State has a 70. He gives them a 71 percent. And I get it. Georgia Southern's not great. They just hired obviously Clay Helton, who's who's gonna be um, he's doing behind the scenes stuff similar to Joey McGuire, but. I guess this is just like a, a a thing of like momentum, right? Tech State's winning. They found uh, Tyler Vitt's going to start at quarterback again. Maybe they're just maybe he's just choosing this to kind of continue. Um, I will say Texas State has found something of a running game ish with Tyler Vitt now. They're more design runs, more Q, uh, QB power. Um, I like that Jake Spavadol staying with the hot hand uh, quarterback. Um, he's somebody who, who while. I'll say there are limitations to Tyler Vitt as a passer. I think he gives you less spontaneity in terms of combustible factor, <laughs> um, for for lack of a better phrase. I do worry about Georgia Southern's ability to to uh, to run the ball effectively against Texas State. I think tech, that's someplace where Texas State is vulnerable on defense. Um, but I don't know. This is still a Georgia Southern program that's been kind of downtrodden. So I, I can kind of see why their favorite Texas State's favored. Yeah, I mean, it feels like one of those games where, like, you know what you're going to get from Texas State. You're not quite sure what Georgia Southern is right now. Yep. Um, there's so much going on behind the scenes. How can you expect those kids to be completely dialed in and locked in where Texas State's kind of playing for their head coach's future, it feels like. And yep. I do think Tyler Vitt has opened up that offense in a way to where it keeps a linebacker on that quarterback, and you can tell the other running backs are starting to have more success that way sure. because you're, you're adding that little wrinkle in there. And he hadn't turned the ball over. That's been good as well. I'm not Texas State doesn't do anything well defensively, right? But I do think the front seven's better than the back four. Yeah, and that's so fair. like this offense of Georgia Southern, if there is one that plays into the strengths of of Texas State's defense, the fact that they're not going to really threaten them over the top consistently, I believe helps. It just comes down to you know right schemes, right fits, you know tackling that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You're at home. You've won a game. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can see where the line is and why it is. I just think with either of these teams, you don't know enough about them, and you're not quite sure how consistent either one can be to where, as a gambler, this one's a hard one to bet on. Sure, 100%. Up next in the slate, Texas Tech hosting Iowa State this Saturday at 2.30 p.m. You can watch this game on ESPN2. Iowa State favored by 10 and a half. Yeah, this one's an interesting one because – Obviously, Iowa State's a better team, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of good momentum around. Yeah, tech. there's a lot of good feeling around Tech right now, right? Um, 
It's in Lubbock. Sonny Cumbie's going to be auditioning for that coordinator gig. Coming off a bye week. Coming off a bye week. I don't know if they win. I think they probably cover. Probably going to mm-hmm. get a pretty good pregame speech. Oh my god! Yeah, he's going to co- like he's. This is definitely he's going to be obviously not coaching, but this is going to he's. They're going to be listening to Joey McGuire all week, right? Yeah. And then they get this chance, and I'm curious to see how, because he resp- obviously he has he had a good really he has a good relationship with Sonny Cumbie, and so like part of me wonders like what that dynamic is like because he is letting Sonny Cumbie coach, right? Mm-hmm. That that is his thing, he, and so I'm wondering like. Does he do the pregame speech, or does he let Sonny? You know, is it where is it where is his hands right now? Right, it's, it's kind of an awkward situation for him because That's like true. these guys are used to hearing Sonny Cumbie, and he doesn't want to like you know uh, uh, subvert his authority right away. Right. Um, and Joey McGuire is that type of guy where he's like, "Hey, man, this is your team. You know, I'm just here to you know, I'm, I'm here to guide from the outside, and I'll take over when it's my time." Maybe he addresses Friday. Maybe you know, yeah, something like, like Friday, the, practice, right? Like game like, day, hey guys. Game you day's know. your day. Right, you know, he lets yeah. Sonny. So That's I don't point. know, but. Regardless, there's a lot of good feelings going on around Lubbock yeah. right now. Um, Iowa State, again, they played. T- I think a lot of their strengths played to Texas' weaknesses last last year or last week. Uh, they ran the ball really well. Texas couldn't stop the run. Um, Brock Purdy is still not the most solid quarterback, but Texas' defense isn't going to test you. Um, will Tex? I don't know. Probably not. But I feel like they've given more signs that they uh, throughout the year that they could. I don't know. Um, I think Texas is an easy game to get up for. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Tech is like, yeah, they got a new head coach. Who's this weird guy coming from Mm -hmm. Baylor? Uh, It doesn't matter. Like, I don't know. I think I think Tech covers. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Tech covered. You know, it's ten and a half. So you know, you just got to keep it within single digits. That's good. I mean, a lot of times that ten and a half is to entice you to bet on the mm-hmm. ten and a half team. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I know you won't for ten, but you know maybe if we give you ten and a half, you'll take it. So that's sure. that's kind of a Vegas trick to watch out for. What's interesting to me here, and you touched on it a little bit. What I always find fascinating in coaching changes, this rarely happens, right? Because we talked about this on the emergency podcast. Midseason firings aren't uncommon, right? But to hire a guy at this stage in the year is uncommon. Mm-hmm. So these guys, the your, the players at Texas Tech know who they're auditioning for mm-hmm. like they can they've met him now yep. you know or in the process of meeting mm-hmm. him now to where they know on saturday the performance they put up against iowa state is an audition your your future head coach will be there watching you play will be watching all the tape and it's it's figuring out who's going to be a part of that program next year and who's not and so i think there's a lot to play for like you said a lot of momentum a lot of good feeling in that locker room that probably hasn't been there in a little bit mm-hmm. um so they should be they should play well they should play inspired and if you're iowa state this smells like the typical trap game yeah yeah you know, texas while they're not good everyone gets up to play texas mm-hmm. especially at home the stands are going to be packed. Like it's just a good time to beat Texas in football. Um, that's a little harder when you go road trip to Lubbock and you're not really playing for a Big 12 championship. You know, there's not a whole lot of stakes on, on it. This is a good time for Texas Tech to maybe take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. And they have Oklahoma next week. Iowa right. State does. Right. And so it could be a little let down look ahead. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm re- and again, this is the Iowa State team that lost uh, to West Virginia. Right. Texas Tech won a very sloppy game, but if they beat what they beat West Virginia. I don't. This isn't a again. This isn't a bad tech team. It was kind of that's why it's been as frustrating of a year um, uh, from our perspective. And this isn't a juggernaut Iowa State team. They've been a very good Iowa State team, but not one that was exactly competing for the Big Twelve like we maybe thought they would be in the same capacity. So um, who knows? This one. This one. I'm going to keep my eye on this mm-hmm. one. I really do. I'm really fascinated by this. I am so interested in what Joey McGuire does with his offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator position. Mm -hmm. Um, And keeping Sonny Cumbie, I think, is a really realistic possibility. And so Mm -hmm. uh, Saturday, I believe, is a pretty important day for Sonny Cumbie as well. Oh, yeah. I think uh, football scoop throughout, I mentioned Kidley, Cumbie, and I think Garrett Riley from uh, Uh SMU were three names that I believe they were looking at uh, that he was – McGuire was reportedly looking into. So – We'll see there. I would like it. He has a good relationship. He said that in the opening press conference. He had a good relationship with Sonny Cumbie. So if this is his version, if his, if he basically tells him like, "Hey, go, go secure the job Saturday," right? If they look good, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Yeah. Up next, UTSA hosting Southern Miss this Saturday at two thirty p.m. You can watch this game on ESPN Plus. UTSA favored by thirty-three. Yeah. Hide your kids. Burner game. <laughs> yeah. Hide your wives. <laughs> 
<laughs> call the call the authorities. Yep. Get some COVID. Party on deck. <laughs> yeah. 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 This is just go party in the Alamo. Going them, to be. This yeah. is beat 'em down city. <laughs> this right? really is. Right. I'll, they I'll should pass way. the sticks now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Parker's uh, uh, win probability. Just guess for Southern Miss. <laughs> Two. Point oh seven. <laughs> He's not giving them a single shot. Oh. Like <laughs> that's how you know. One, that's how. I, that's why I love Parker. Is because there are some models out there that would give them a two percent. Uh-huh. Right? Oh, we're not gonna go that. Parker's like, no, this team no. sucks. This team's like, bad. hit that low, man. That it. UTSA being favored by thirty-three points over yeah. a conference opponent is that absurd. is ridiculous. absurd. It's an absolutely absurd. That's, that's a number. compliment to UTSA, and that is a detriment to where Southern Miss <laughs> is right now. Like that is the most double-sided compliment slash criticism <laughs> like Ugh. yeah and the alamo dome will be rocking oh my god right yeah. like th- this will probably be the biggest crowd they've had since early on is this in, the first home the game since his extension yes first yeah. game oh first home my. game since the extension like, you know they're they're ranked in the college football play i mean they have all the momentum in the world right the spurs aren't that great mm-hmm. you know so this is this is the time national title watch win. some utsa football or and national poor, televised win poor yeah. southern miss they don't have anything anything poor, going poor for them southern this miss. game nothing like how long do you think the southern miss coaching staff watched film on utsa before they were like <laughs> what I mean, do we do I mean, <laughs> it was still that sincere mccormick t- like the second right. the, the second, second play, play they, they, they turned it off they turned it off we can't catch that guy. It's better if the team <laughs> doesn't know about you, you know, or whatever. Um, we're going to go play USAA <laughs> this, this weekend. Um, but, yeah, yeah. This, this one's going to be bad, and there's just not a whole lot to break down because one team is good and one team is awful. The, 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 the biggest compliment I can say is that UTSA has UAB next week, and I'm not worried in the slightest about a letdown. Right, like that's the biggest compliment I can pay to Jeff Trailer is that they have a huge conference clash coming up next week, and it. I don't. Any other team, probably in this converse, in this in this preview, I'm like, I don't know, man. They're looking ahead. I don't. They're not looking. They're ahead. not like because they have North Texas. <laughs> you you mentioned how long Southern Miss spent watching. Jeff Trailer probably spent all of Sunday and Monday watching film on Southern Miss, like, <laughs> like the Lou Holtz, right? Exactly, like the yeah. Lou Holtz. <laughs> like man, this directional school is one of the better teams I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> right, right. Uh, they're coached really hard. Uh, the guy's passionate. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> You know, like Jeff Trailer says, he doesn't major in the minors. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. like they're they're going to stay focused one game at a time because you know, jokes aside, this is still UTSA. Sure, we're not talking about A and M or Texas mm-hmm. or Alabama or mm-hmm. like a program who's had sustained success and knows what that feels like. Every day for this UTSA football team is a new adventure because mm-hmm. they're not used to any right. of this stuff, and so you do have to button up. And inside the locker room, you can't think about Southern Miss in the way that we are. I mean, we're we're just talking, so we can sure. we can look at it as a video game. But in real life, for these kids, they're going to have to go play football. They're going to have to tackle people. They're going to mm-hmm. have to go score touchdowns. Uh, but barring an act of God, mm-hmm. uh, this feels like one where UTSA wins pretty convincingly. I would just say avoid any gambling line ever that's above 28 points. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Just don't do that to yourself because you're either rooting – like against a blowout mm-hmm. or you get to that point where like a team's up 28 and you got to worry if the coach is going to step on somebody's throat sure, or not sure, like sure. that. It's just, just never just, mm-hmm. if it's ever above 27 and a half, there's like 50 more games to go gamble on sure. in college football. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, so one of the things that I like to look at just to see how teams start and finish games. So UTSA is 10th in the country in points per first quarter. They are, they score. They average nine points a game in the first quarter. Teams ahead of them: Texas A&M, Alabama, Georgia, Texas, who's always notoriously starts really well, Houston, and Tennessee. Those are incredibly offensive coached football mm-hmm. teams. Yes. Like if you go down that list, that's like great, like greatest coach of all time. Mm-hmm. Maybe best coach right now. Right. Great coach, Steve Sarkeesian, who's an offensive genius. You know, like yeah. those are those are offensive football. And the teams. other the other compliment I can pay them is. You look at a Texas, you look at a Tennessee, teams that f- probably waver in, as the game goes along. UTSA, they don't waver. They're still around top 15 in second quarter. Third, like, they're so consistent. Mm-hmm. So their plan A works. And even if a team has a counter, they're like, cool, turn the page in the, play, in the game plan. We got something for that, right? And so, yeah, I don't know. That, that was one of the things that really stood out to me this week was looking at that and just saying, like, this team starts – and finishes so consistently. What's the weak link for UTSA football right now? 
See, like, I want to say it's if they can't protect Frank Harris, but I haven't seen it. Right. So, like, they've blocked, they've blocked for him, they've blocked for him well. Be, right, their left tackle is going to be a top right. three-round draft pick or whatever. Like, yeah. I would say maybe the secondary allowing sure. big plays. Sure, yeah. Right? Corner uh, specifically. But the fact that we have to think about that. Right. Just it's just a complete football team. If I asked you that same question about Texas A and M, you'd come up with the answer right away. <laughs> right, right. You know, so that to me, that's the impressive part about UTSA is they don't do anything poorly. Yeah. Right. They may not be exceptional at every single thing, but there there's nothing where you can just walk into a game and go, well, we're going to take advantage of that uh, because they have so many different ways of beating you, and it's just it's just uh it's just a really good football team who. Knows it, believes it, and is just on a roll right now. Like they're just they're rolling. Yeah. Last thing about this, uh, imagine hearing this: Davy O'Brien's semifinalist, Frank Harris, just announced this week. Insane. Wow. Insane. Good for him, man. Yep. Up next, North Texas is hosting UTEP this Saturday at 3 p.m. You can watch this game on ESPN Plus, and the line is only at one and a half. Woo! UTEP is favored. If you are into gambling, yes. this is the game you want to bet this on. Is, Do not bet on the UTSA because game. Because North gambling. Texas <laughs> opened as a minus one favorite. Really? And smart money <clears throat> <laughs> has come pouring in on UTEP <laughs> over the last 24 or 48 hours to the point that it swung at about two, two and a half points. Jeez. So, uh Gamblers out there, there's money to be made on G5 yes. football. Yes. That's, that's yes. where you make your money. Everybody bets Power 5 football. You don't want to get involved in that. G5 football is where your money is. To me, I know there's better games like A&M Ole Miss, mm. you know, Baylor, Oklahoma. Sure. Those are, those are much better games. Um, if I'm a person that, like, gets to just sit at home and watch football, I think this may be the one I would spend the most time watching, honestly. That says something about me, maybe. Maybe. But – I find this game fascinating for so many reasons. Mm-hmm. If UTEP wins this football game, it stops the losing streak, and it's like, okay, they're for, they won seven games at that point. They're a really good football team. If they lose that game, it's like, man, what is UTEP actually? Is this rebuild what we think it is? On the flip side with North Texas, if they lose this game, it feels kind of like the ending of the Seth Luttrell era. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you, can't let UTEP, right, you can't let UTEP pass you up as you're moving to a new in an improved conference or whatever. But if North Texas wins this football game, man, it raises some questions because three game winning streak. Yep. They got a winnable game the week after. Mm -hmm. And then you got UTSA where if you go into that game five and six and you upset UTSA and keep them from going undefeated and all that kind of stuff. And you reach a bowl game and you go six and six, you know, maybe there's still life there for Latrell and that, and that staff there. So I, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in this game because I really do think it's coin flip. Right. Uh, but I find it super, super interesting. I think that th- I feel like UTEP needs this game more because this has been such a positive UTEP season, right? Mm-hmm. Up until the past couple of weeks, even up to, even even up to last week, right? FAU they played really well against FAU. They just happened to, they lost. Um, and then last week was a little bit of a butt kicking. They're like, okay. Right. What is 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 uh-huh. the armor starting to chip a little bit? And so, you have North Texas, and then you have Rice, and you have UAB, right? And you have so if you lose to this one, if you lose to UNT, all right, then it's like oh Rice, and it's like okay, well Rice is kind of finding its act on offense. Is Rice gonna? And then UAB, which is going to be obviously a really tough game, mm-hmm. and so. This one could you kind of need it if you you kind of need it because right? you're this the the winning this game in my opinion winning this game is the difference between going six and six and finishing the season on a five game losing streak right yeah. or going eight and four right and, and those, losing those, to every good team you play and those, right and your losses being Boise State UTSA UAB right. like though like. FAU when right. you you're, you're out in the Eastern Time Zone and we've talked about how they just like UTEP can't win in the Eastern Time Zone. <laughs> right. So like to me and then and then on the North Texas side you have a whole coaching tenure maybe possibly hanging in the balance. Like there are stakes mm-hmm. in this at this game. game. And if right. you if you talk to us in July and we're like, hey, UTEP's visiting North Texas in November. Right. There's going to be some very major important things going on in that game. You'd get you'd, people would roll their eyes at you. Mm-hmm. They laugh at yeah. you. This game is is really important and it's up in the air because North Texas is the better football team. Mm-hmm. Like man for man, player for player, North Texas has more talent than UTEP. But that UTEP team is playing for something bigger than themselves. They went yep, 0 right. and 12. They went 1 and 11. They went 1 and 11. Then they had the pandemic. Yep. Right? Like they're finally having success in El Paso. And losing against North Texas 
damages that perception. They need it. They need this win pretty badly, and so does North Texas. And to me, those are those are the fun games, right? We talked yep. about how the college football playoff can overrate things and like make it to where you forget what college football is about. Right. This game is what college football is about. 1,000%. And uh, if you want to go see Mallory dance on the big screen, too, because she'll be there emceeing. So. I sure will. <laughs> it's our homecoming. So there you it go. sure will be fun. <laughs> Up next, Texas A&M will travel to Ole Miss this Saturday at 6 p.m. You can watch this game on ESPN. Texas A&M favored by two and a half. I think this one is super interesting, too. We, we may be the only podcast that could talk longer about North Texas UTEP than we would about A&M Ole Miss. <laughs> <laughs> we we spent a good, uh, was that 10 minutes? <laughs> we, we spoke a lot about that. Now we're going to be like, Matt Corral versus the Wrecking Crew. Right, I don't know. Right. That should be pretty um, fun, I yeah, guess. That should be good, I guess, if you're into that kind of thing. Um that de- the Texas A&M's performance last week defensively mm-hmm. was one of the better Ugh. defensive performances Scary. you can see in modern football outside yes. of Athens, Georgia. Yes. Like that, you don't hold teams to three points anymore right. in college football. This is not a thing that you do. You definitely don't outscore a team without the offense even being involved. Like they won that game 6-3 defensively. So yes. uh, I would imagine – they need more offense than they got last They're week. The only, the, only touchdown, the only touchdown that was scored in that game by either team last week was the Michael Clemens fumble return yeah. for a touchdown. So, yep. Zach Calzada, that offense is going to have to play better because Matt Corral, I would imagine, is able to score some points. Mm-hmm. But that wrecking crew defense has been really good, and they finally deserve that moniker. And it's cool to see that kind of football getting played in College Station again. Yeah, I will say this one, Auburn's defense – is a different animal than Ole Miss's defense. Ole Miss is right now living Lane Kiffin's best life of just like <laughs> letting Matt Corral throw the ball all over the place, yep. and their defense is like, yeah, it's fine. They're going to score anyway, so yeah, like, they'll just kind of let whatever happen. Right? It does not <laughs> matter. So I think this plays more into what AM is good at. Uh, they're not very good, and I believe they are 122nd in rushing uh, EPA uh, uh, defensively, uh, Ole Miss's. And so they're going to be very vulnerable against that running attack. And it was a running attack that got frustrated last week against against a really good Auburn uh, defense. And that's kind of been whether or not, you know, whether it was Gus Malzahn or Brian Harson or whoever, like that's always been Auburn's calling card versus A&M was just like even going back to Manziel, frustrating that offense to make you try to win elsewhere. Last week, A&M finally was able to win in other ways against that Auburn team to where they could they could they can just let their defense hang around um yeah their defense is going to get beat this week uh more often than not um just because they're facing probably the future number one overall pick like maybe Matt the Corral, heisman winner. maybe the heisman winner matt corral is playing out of his mind right now and i do think this is going to be i mean i'm trying to think this might be the best defense he faces because they have not played georgia they don't get georgia this year and um alabama is not the alabama that we're used to so like I think this will be the best defense they face. So he's going to he's gonna probably make a mistake or two, right? But he's also going to beat them deep. We've seen A&M's defense get beaten a couple times this year when they've played good quarterback play. So we'll see. I think this is going to be a really fun game. Um, I'm really, really excited to see this one. So I think this one plays more into A&M. I, I'm still worried about it, though. Because eventually, when you do face a star quarterback who can make anything happen at any given time, like having to rely on a methodical run play to set up the pass, because it could get a little bit, you know, eh, coming towards the late late uh, quarters of the game. I don't know if that's enough to to beat at Ole Miss, but I think the strengths of A and M play into what uh, uh, play into what Ole Miss isn't good at. So. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think on paper, this looks like uh, a game that's going to test the Texas A&M secondary, and it yeah. will. Mm. But for me, this is about Texas A&M's defensive line. Yes. Because if that defensive line can get after Corral and move him after, off of his spot and mess up the timing and not allow him to just like sit back there and just throw darts, right. um, that's going to help out that A&M secondary. If they can't get pressure on them, you know, Ole Miss is going to score a lot of points. Mm-hmm. And then offensively, I think what we're seeing from Texas A&M in the run game is the offensive line growing up. Yes, we're getting 1, to that. Percent. We're getting to that point of the season where true freshmen are basically sophomores now, especially ones that have been playing a lot. Bryce Foster is getting better and better. Like he's turning into a legit center who's going to be a, a good, good college football player for a couple of years now. And then Ruben Fathery mm. at right tackle is a freak show, man. He's like six nine, yeah. like three hundred pounds, and is like starting to kind of figure out that he's good enough to to be on an island out there against big time pass rushers in the SEC. And so that offensive line is getting better and better. How healthy is that Calzada? Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. because they're going to need him a few times in the game. Sure, it's going to be mostly Isaiah Spiller and Devon A. Chain. You've talked about Ole Miss's defense being pretty bad against the run. But if a team's going to score 20, 30, 35 points on you like we expect Ole Miss just will because of how good they are offensively, yeah. at some point you're going to need Zach Galsada to make three or four or five throws. Will he be able to do that? Is he healthy enough to do that? I think to me that's the only real question mark that keeps me from picking A&M just outright. Yep. I think one of the other things you mentioned with the front seven for A&M, uh, let me see, this was uh, this was on Halloween, so it's probably been updated a little bit, but notable 2022 NFL draft uh, PFF grades when under pressure. Matt Corral's PFF grade drops to 45 right. when he's under pressure. Mm-hmm. He can move, right? He's a mobile quarterback, but it just shows that his decision-making takes a bit of a dip. Yeah. When he's having to panic a little bit, every so. quarterback does. Sure, 100%. I mean, I mean, unless you're like Tom Brady or exactly. you know, like something like that. Like sure. for the most part, um, having 300 pound men running at you full speed will impact your ability to throw a pass accurately. Yep. I know I'm breaking news there, <laughs> uh, but that that makes there's nothing that that's what makes that job hard. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's most quarterbacks can play really well behind a tremendous offensive line. Sure. It's what you can do when you're under pressure. If A&M can put him under pressure, they have a real shot to, to win this game going away, in my opinion. And yeah. one, more, one more stat, Ole Miss averaging, uh, letting up almost four and a half yards a carry. 82nd in the country for yards for rushing attempts. So opponents are getting on them. So spam that Spiller and Chan button. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's, see what that, let's see what that gets you. And it gets interesting. If they beat Ole Miss, they've got Prairie, Prairie View A&M and LSU left on their schedule. So if they went out and then they get to fa- – and then I guess I guess Alabama has to lose a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Probably maybe that Auburn. Auburn. Yeah. yeah. Then they're in that playoff question again. If they yeah, beat sure. Georgia, they become in that playoff question again. And I think well, that's that, that Prairie View very A&M team is pretty good. That's not a bad – yeah. That's a, a Jawan Pass-led That's a decent te- – yeah, that's like – because, like, I mean, obviously the SEC does that, like, Heading into the final week, where right. they do that. Oh, we're mm-hmm. going to schedule FCS teams. Right. At least AM scheduled a good one. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's you know. Yeah, they're. Uh, I saw them play Central Arkansas earlier in the year. They're, that's a good. That's a good football team. Yeah. I mean, not not good enough to threaten Texas A&M or anything, right. but yeah. it's a it's a good football team. Yeah. Coming up next, Texas hosting Kansas this Saturday at six thirty p.m. You can watch this game on ESPNU. Texas is. Again, favored by 30 and a half. Mike it's one Cra- of those you don't yeah. want to bet on. That. Mike Craven, has a team needed Kansas more? <laughs> yeah, at the at this time. <laughs> no, that, no. This this uh, this was a gift from the scheduling gods. Yes. Right? Um, Texas, oh man, Texas is in a weird spot right now mm-hmm. to where it's three or four different things going on at one time that's hard to wrap your mind around, right? Like, it... Some of it is coaching, some of it is talent, some of it is just a tough schedule. Yep. You know, they it's not like they're losing to like bad teams or you know they've lost to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Iowa State. Those are those are quality football teams. Um, but in te- but at Texas with just the 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 job and just the enormity of it and the attention that's paid to it, you're under a microscope at all times. So you can't have the Dave Aranda 2020 season and it just be like, yeah, you know, some of those things happen. We'll see it next year, whatever. Everything is so huge. Everything is so big to where a monkey story becomes viral. And then the next week, a coach cussing at people on a bus becomes (laughs) a big story. And and that's on top of the four-game losing streak. And it's just then the quarterback, who's going to be the quarterback, even though they're both mediocre. And Mm -hmm. it's just everything is so amplified at Texas that it's hard to get a good feel for if this team is anywhere better off than it was this time last year with Tom Herman. I don't see any real improvement other than offensive creativity. And I, I think that I was talking to some people who are a little bit more plugged in than I am. I was just asking like, what's what kind of has, what has happened, right? Like what, what, ha, where's this trajectory going? Cause I, you know, it's still, it's way too early to blame any of this on Sark. I think what did happen though, is that I think both Sark and Del Conte misassessed where this program was. I think that because you look at that opening press conference, Sarkeesian straight up said there are na- this is a national title roster. Right? Like straight, the words national title came up at it when he was referencing this roster. I think that was a little bit of, oh, yeah, I can win. Yeah, Hudson Card, five-star quarterback. Yeah, let me, let me work with that, right? He didn't exactly, obviously, hadn't gotten to work with him. And Casey, oh, is Casey Thompson lit up Colorado, or, you know, in the bowl game last year. Oh, yeah, that's easy. I can, I can do that. I got B. John Robinson, Heisman mm-hmm. Trophy winner. Oh, cool. Awesome. Like, a future Heisman Trophy winner. And then, 
he comes in, he's like, oh, offensive line is not very good. <laughs> Linebacker play probably could be better, right? Like secondary is a little bit shaky, right? <laughs> he starts to like tear away. And so I think that he misassessed maybe just looking at it from on, on paper. And I think Chris Del Conte misassessed because you don't hire a schemer to build out a roster. You hire – and, again, this is the benefit of, of being Steve Sarkeesian. He's going to have an opportunity to build because he's on the job now. But you hire a Steve Sarkeesian quickly, I might add, right? The news of Tom Herman's firing came out, and then Sarkeesian was hired, like, instantly. So you don't hire a Steve Sarkeesian quickly unless you think you're a – unless you think you're just going to scheme your way to the top, right? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna X's and O's our way back to being good because we have talent. I – think they misassessed i really do because he doesn't say that there's national title play you know he doesn't have to say that right right he can just say there's talent on this roster yeah I, oh yeah we're gonna we're gonna get better but there are ways that you can parse yourself to to kind of hedge your bets on like oh we might be good we might not be good we'll see but like there are ways to do that and he straight up came out guns firing you don't put an all gas no breaks slogan on your team unless you're gonna hit the ground running right like that's literally what that meant was we're ready to go now and so, again, you hinted on the Bo Davis thing. I think the, the the Bo Davis thing, to me, in a nutshell, isn't bad. Coaches are passionate, right? Bo Davis is one of the most passionate coaches, especially in the state. But the culture festered to the point where that video leaked out, right? And the player was okay recording that and leaking that out. That's a problem. And that's the issues that you're talking about where it comes to off the field, where you're like, well, what a program is? What kind of program is happening here? Dana Dimmel this past weekend said something to me that I I found genius. He says coaches rarely miss on talent; they miss on character. Yeah. Steve Sarkeesian walked into a locker room and looked at a roster that is on paper talented enough to compete for Big Twelve championships and win national titles. You just said the names, mm-hmm. you know, Bajon Robinson. You know, they got they got guys there. What he didn't account for is that they don't have the mentality to win. They do. Right? Like, that's not a locker room built with winners. And that's not to say anything about them individually. It's that they haven't won. They're not used to winning. Yeah. They, they've been losing for years now. You look at that roster, the juniors, seniors, super seniors that you need to lead your roster have had four or five different position coaches, two or three different coordinators, at least two head coaches, and have lost as many times as they've won. There's just no real leadership or self-belief in that room. Like, they're just, they're fragile. And you can see it in the second half that they're fragile. That's why they're losing football games that way. They're losing them like a fragile team loses football games because they are talented enough Mm -hmm. to play with those football teams. That's how they build an 18-point lead over Oklahoma. It's how they build an 11-point lead over Oklahoma State. It's how they have a double-digit lead over Baylor. It's the fortitude and the stick-to-itiveness and the grit and the knowledge that you can stick this out and we can win football games that Texas has none of in that room. And it's as much on the admin as anyone else because when you go through coaches at this rate, this is what you get. You get a bunch of broken young spirits who do not know how to come together and face adversity because anytime adversity comes across the University of Texas's doorstep, they fire it and kick it out of the room. Yep. And I think that, to your point on that, we didn't even mention that Joshua Moore is off the team now. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, that was a thing that just, like, came out of nowhere where that I think Anwar Richardson reported that they had a spat in practice. Steve Sarkeesian kind of played it down. And then he's off the team in a week. And it's like – you know, like this, it's just like something's not clicking there. Well, the guy who dropped the ball yeah. against Baylor, who cost you possibly a, a chance to really win that game, well, still is, playing. is late yeah. to practice. The yeah. next, like that, that's just a culture thing. That's right. just, there's just no, there's just no self accountability yeah. inside of that room. And that's not built by 18, 19, 20 year olds. Right. That's built by the consistency of grown men to where recruits come into that building and they see it and they learn it. And by the time they're counted on, they know it. There's been none of that at Texas because they just cycle through it so fast. And I'm not saying that Charlie Strong was the right guy. Sure. I'm not saying Tom Herman was the right guy. Mm-hmm. But 
nobody gets to find out any of those things because when you have that much money, you're never forced to stick with a problem. Mm -hmm. You don't mm -hmm. have to deal with a problem. You can pay for it to go away and think that your money is going to get rid of the problem and you'll just buy yourself out of it. They, they can't, and they haven't. And it just it trickles down to the roster to where those kids just they don't know who to play for and how to play. Yep, and lastly to your point, how many of the, how many of those guys from that Sugar Bowl team are still on the team? Yeah, BJ, BJ Foster. Yeah, not Maybe. many. Like all the guys that are now with the team, basically, and and the, and the guys are the guys that were recruited off the backs of that win, right? The Jordan Whittingtons, obviously, he's not he's not hurt he's hurt right now, but like that that Tyler Owens, right? Those guys were right. that were recruited after that are the guys coming in. So they're not you. They're used to going to the Alamo Bowl, right? Like that's that's kind of their measure of success. And so – And you look yeah. at those recruiting classes and it's like Jake Smith gone, Jordan Whittington hurt, mm -hmm. DeGabriel Floyd gone. hurt, Brew McCoy gone. Like the top-end talent that was supposed to like make up this roster right now is either hurt or transferred. Yep. And so – um, you do have pieces in Bajan Robinson, Xavier Worthy, and all that kind of stuff, but you just have a team um, and a program that is rudderless. Yeah. And that's just that's just what it is right now. And if you notice, we haven't talked about Kansas at all because they're going to be Kansas, and it's going to be fine. Right. And we'll but see. Are they going to we'll cover? Do you think Texas is going to cover? Probably not. Probably yeah, not. I but um, big. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a big spread. But like they're going to beat Kansas. We'll see how. I don't want to say the good vibes will be back just because a win doesn't solve everything. I'm curious just how they win. Um, but you know, like I said, they, there there hasn't been a program that's needed Kansas more right now. <laughs> to me, it's not a coincidence that Bo Davis mentioned the transfer portal three oh, or yeah. four times in that range. Oh my God, yeah. he, like, he's like get out. Like he's like there are dudes in this team that should not be. They here. know they need attrition. Yes, they need fifteen twenty of those guys just out of that program. Charlie yeah. Strong had to deal with that when he got there. One thousand percent. Sometimes you just got to get some of those dudes out of that program and started a uh, start anew. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when you talked about earlier that Steve Sarkeesian had like miss uh, read his mm -hmm. roster. Mm -hmm. That's what he misread. Yeah. He misread the people inside the locker room, not the talent inside the locker room. That's a good point. Lastly, on this week's slate, TCU playing at Oklahoma state this Saturday at 7 PM. You can watch this game on Fox and Oklahoma state is favored by 13. TCU's become like a must-watch team. This yeah. is yeah. fun, right? yeah. Like Mini Baker Mayfield <laughs> just out there balling. Like that was one of the most fun performances like yeah. I can remember in yeah. a while. Like that was just it was like watching Johnny Manziel, right? Like it was just it was just fun where you're just like, what is this kid gonna do next? Like you know that uh, old school. Uh, scene where Will Ferrell just blacks out yes and he has no like that's what I feel. like Chandler Morris just got to the locker play. room afterwards and was like hey guys what happened and they're like you threw for 5,000 yards you know you like beat Baylor right like that kid was out of his mind and like hats off to like youthful exuberance right, right? Yeah. to like ignorance is bliss right like, everything like it was it was a fun thing to watch man that that TCU team has some people they yeah. have some studs on that team and it was cool to see them like playing loose and fun again. And I think that's where, because I, I do think Oklahoma State's defense is better than Baylor's, and so I'm really curious to see how does this game humble them a little bit. Right. Um, they got tape on them. Right. Exactly. They got tape on them now. And uh, you mentioned the 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 ignorance where it's like again he was getting hit in the pocket, but it was like doesn't matter. QJ's open. Like he's like oh, I'll take this hit. And now I wonder if it's a little like if 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 Jerry kills in his ear a little bit like hey you don't have to take that hit you know like mm -hmm. you, you can you can move out of the pocket a little bit <laughs> so like is there more on his plate to where he's not just playing with instinct and just kind of going with the flow is he like actually worried about that pass rusher coming through now I don't know um, throwing some numbers to it so total so EPA estimated points added um, is a good metric for just kind of overall play right how each succinct play sets up a touchdown or sets up something good to happen basically is kind of a, a layman's way of putting that Chandler Morris was the highest graded EPA quarterback last week like in the country right it is like it is nuts he had a 32.8 which is uh the next highest was Purdue uh sorry Mallory uh Purdue's Aiden O'Connell uh with a 31 against Michigan State but it just shows that he was he was literally playing as one of the best quarterbacks in the country in his debut against a really good Baylor defense. Like that's insane. I'm I can't wait to see what happens because this is too if he comes out and looks anything remotely like last week against the two best defenses in the conference right away, 
Sorry, Max Duggan. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> bud. Like, you got to ride Pine for the rest of the year because this dude, you can't bench that guy. Mm-mm. You just can't. Like, he's getting – Quentin Johnson looked like a new player completely last week. He's like, oh, my God, I'm getting opportunities that I had never thought I would get before. And he's getting – this offense hasn't been a bad offense all year. It's been a pretty good offense. But you, see, you we've seen the ceiling of it being a great offense, and we just never quite got it until last week. So – the other thing is, how was the defense going to look like again? Defense played great last week, right? They made a, a really good methodical offense look a little shaky at times. They made Gary Bahannon makes, uh, 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 have some turnovers. Oklahoma State's a combustible offense. We know Spencer Sanders is going to turn the ball over a little bit. Is that TCU defense going to be able to make him uncomfortable to do that? So I am fascinated as hell with this game. Yeah. They look like such a free team. Yes. You know, and that's not to say they're better with Gary Patterson not in that locker room. It's mm. just that they are human beings who had to have, like, heard and read and kind of known that something was going to happen. Yep. And, like, that anticipation of something bad happening can make you tight. You just, you're in that room and you know nobody's having fun and it's hard to play kind of inspired good football. Well, that's in their rearview mirror. Jerry Kill's in there now. And I'm sure the message is just go out and have fun. Just play football, right? Like, y'all have been playing this since you're seven years old. Just go out there and play football. We'll figure out what's going to happen after the season. And they go out and beat Baylor. And yeah, it just you have nothing shows, to like, lose right. <laughs> at that point. It shows just how small the margins are in college football. Yep. Mm-hmm. You got a Baylor team that's just rolling and playing great football and a TCU team that's left for dead and their 20-year head coach is out the door. And all it takes is just like a little shift in momentum. Just one player getting it, you know, put put into that spot who plays kind of out of character or something, un, you know, unexpected, and all of a sudden this huge upset happens. And mm-hmm, it's just yeah. like that's the cool thing about this sport is that doesn't happen in the NFL, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's, those aren't things that that can happen in the NFL. Um, in college football, you can just like randomly discover a star, right? Yep. You know, like a kid who was like at, a, and also Oklahoma's quarterback room. Seriously. Like, like Tanner, Tanner Mordecai, Mordecai Chandler Morris, like, <laughs> Spencer Rattler's a backup now. I can Kayla see why Will, Lincoln like, Riley was being so hard about giving uh, Chandler Morris his eligibility. <laughs> like He was like, no, 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 we cannot let this guy. The rest of us are rolling our eyes like, <laughs> right. come on, yeah. come on, Let the Lincoln. kid play. Let Lincoln's like, play y'all don't understand. Football. He's like, I want him to play football, just not against me. Right. <laughs> so, so maybe, maybe Oklahoma got out of the Big 12 because they knew – Chandler Morris. Yeah. Chandler Morris coming. <laughs> coming it's, Chan- it's Chandler Morris time. <laughs> He's and we're not gonna hang around. <laughs> we'd rather play Alabama. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I saw that arm. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank no. you. <laughs> no, not Chad's kid. Not Chad. Right, exactly. Not Chad's kid. That's what's cool for like me, right? Oh my God! It's yeah. Like, you All know, these Chad Morris coaching Lake Travis back yeah. when I was a brand new reporter. I had huge moppy curly hair. Yeah. And I was like 23 years old. And, like, you know, his kid's just, like, throwing footballs around, you know, whatever. Right. Now that kid's, like, killing Baylor with, right. like, 9,000 <laughs> right. total He's going to win the Heisman in two whatever. years right. or whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> be nice to coach his kids. You never know which yeah. one's going to be the star later. Yeah, exactly. There you go. But, uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm really fascinated by this game. I'm going to be paying attention to this one late, um, especially because Texas and Kansas is the only other game, and I really don't care <laughs> yeah. to watch that. Um, <laughs> but I'm fascinated to see what's what's TCU looking like. They're, they know they're, they're playing. I will say – when you see the backup quarterback coming in and you see Max Duggan, you, you kind of know the season's eh, right? Your head coach is gone, backup quarterback's in. You're, you are playing free, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. As, Zach as Evans t- is out. Zach Evans is out. You, you, I mean, you know Chandler Morris is good because he's in practice, but you're like, oh, we're playing with the backup. Okay, pressure's off, right? See what happens. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I do agree that there's been some, like, looseness around the program now, which is pretty freeing, so – and you know Chandler Morris is a dude who looks way better in a game than he does in practice. Because a lot of those oh plays God, last yeah. week are whistled. Oh, my God, yeah. You know, like, exactly. They're like, you're not getting away. Jalen Petrie, he has you wrapped right. up. Like, you're down. On, you're, you're done. You yeah. know, he's like, no, that's a touchdown. Right. You know, like, that's a touchdown. So, yeah, no, uh, TCU has gone from a team where it was like, I don't really want to watch them play. Right. To what time does TCU play? <laughs> right. In like a week. Yep. Literally and a week, yeah. And if you're then. and if you're the athletic director there, I believe your job of hiring a new coach got exponentially easier. Mm-hmm. Coach is like, a I'll come piece. coach that kid. That's a building mm-hmm. piece. Yes, you have a young piece to build around, and a couple other weapons, and a defense that's not awful in mm-hmm. terms of talent. And so, 
Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's crazy how quickly things can just like shift like that, and, like how crazy things can get like that in college football. It's just uh, it's a fun it's a fun thing to follow. I'm trying to I was trying to see if there was any update on Zach Evans. I was been I was just about to ask. That. Yeah, he's yeah. been battling a turf toe. Um, God, since those hurt, man. They're they're, they're so persistent too. Uh, he went went under MRI Monday, um, so it doesn't sound promising that he's going to be coming back. I believe Kendra Miller is also out too. Uh, yeah, he's questionable according to uh, Drew Davison. So you know, we'll we'll kind of see. I think it looks like it'd be the to be the Demarco Foster show again for TCU in the backfield. Which again, that running back room is not a bad one to have. If Demarco Foster is your third option. Yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> and Chandler's going to get 50 yards running. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> That'll be a good one. All righty. Well, that'll do it for us. You know, this pretty good. Uh, it was funny. We, uh, before the show, I was like, yeah, there's not many that great games. And we still had about over an hour show, like just talking yeah. about everything. Uh, as you know, we'll be paying attention to UNT UTEP just because that's who we are. And we are college football sickos that, that relish in the group of five. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I'm – I'm in born in the darkness. Exactly. <laughs> People think that you. Oh, you were. You were. Uh, what was it? What's the? I was trying to reference UTSA. He's like, oh, you've adopted UTSA. Right. It's like Mike Craven was <laughs> right. born in it. Like, come on this. now. I was born in it. <laughs> so I was. I was paying for women's soccer to get added. <laughs> yeah, that's just right. Just so they could free up the scholarship Title IX stuff to get football a few years later. We were all oh, like, God. why did our tuition go up? <laughs> Like, who was clamoring for, like, this? You know, like, nobody even goes to the basketball games. Why right. Do we do that? And then uh, a couple of years later, it was like, oh, we were paying for football. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. And then all just years later. And it's paid off. Number 23, baby. <laughs> right. And my degree has gotten cooler yeah. and cooler. Yeah. There you go. So hopefully we'll be talking about some uh, good results this weekend, the Sunday edition. Uh, Mike Craven, where, you, where will you be calling in from? I am going to Texas Tech. Yeah. I, I uh, got to sit down with Joey McGuire, our good friend here at Dave Campbell, Texas Football, discussing magazine coverage on shows. You heard it here. You heard it here first. <laughs> no, but uh, I will be out in Lubbock talking to Joey Kirkhart. Uh, Kirby Hocutt, yeah, and uh, then watching the Texas Tech Iowa State, nice. kind of seeing what the uh, the lay of the land is out there in Lubbock. Cool, cool. I'll cool. be interesting to, to hear about how the atmosphere will be like. Yeah, I think there will be like some renewed buzz. Yeah, like for sure. Be, like Jones Stadium will be uh, much better than it would be otherwise. Right. right? Like if they were still yep. kind of in that middle, I think there's going to be. Because Joey will be there. I'm sure he'll be shaking hands, kissing babies, doing all that yep. whole thing yep. or whatever. So I do think there will be some good feelings around Texas State. And so it's uh, Texas Tech. Texas Tech. <laughs> <laughs> well, there could be some good feelings around Texas State. We'll see. Uh, but, yeah, that's where I'll be. I'll be in uh, I'll be in Lubbock. And I'm coming back Saturday night because the game's at 2.30. So okay. I'll just have a, a really late drive through cool. uh, nothingness back to <laughs> Right. All righty. Yeah. So we will talk to you guys Sunday.